Welcome to Unsung Stories, where we'll be chatting to unacclaimed mamas in the Christian world who love Jesus, are faithfully seeking to know and love God more, and pointing their families to Him. I'm your host, Laura Smith, and I hope that you will find solidarity with a regular mum living out the gospel in regular ways and be encouraged in your own unsung story. Thanks for joining us. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Unsung Stories. Thank you to everyone who is supporting the show by leaving ratings and reviews on iTunes or subscribing or following on the platform that you listen to this podcast through. Today we are joined by Karina, a beautiful mum and grandma who shares her story of motherhood and how it didn't actually meet the expectations she thought it would when she was a young girl. And she so beautifully shares the pain that comes with it. I've been really encouraged by Karina's dependence on God and how she loves him and is so eager to serve him with her life and hope that you too are encouraged by today's story. Hi, Karina, and welcome to Unsung Stories. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Laura. It's lovely to be here. That's wonderful. So just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit more, could you tell us about you and your family life and just what everyday life looks like for you? Yeah, sure. So I have a wonderful husband. I've got two married, incredible kids, probably around 25, 26, I can never remember. (laughs) Two kids-in-law who we love, two gorgeous granddaughters. And also it's super lovely that both my wonderful parents are still with us too. Oh, that's lovely. And I work for church five to six days a week. Most of that's volunteer work. And so Mm -hmm. most of my days are spent organising some big church events, heaps of pastoral work, particularly with women in growth group area. And I also work in the ministry recruiting area of church. So all of this keeps me super busy. And so I need to work hard at trying to spend as much time with my family and granddaughters as I can. That's my special treat time. Yeah, (laughs) that sounds beautiful. Busy and beautiful. And like, nice to know that you were still juggling those balls as you enter grandmahood. Oh, totally. I don't think it ever stops. Yeah, yeah. That's encouraging. So thinking back to when you were first married, what did you imagine your family life to look like? What were your hopes and your dreams and plans for your future family? Yeah, that's a big question. But there's possibly a few things that might be helpful for you to know about me so you can understand better my on one hand, ordinary, yet on the other hand, really extraordinary story. Mm. So I grew up really excited about the idea of getting married and having a family and a lovely, not extravagant, but lovely, happy home. And so I had the ideal dream and it probably looked something like this beautiful old farmhouse wraparound veranda on acreage by the sea. Mm. It had a small hobby farm with orchards and veggie gardens happy, content husband and lots of kids frolicking together in the sunshine, happily playing and all of this happening while I was in the kitchen cooking fresh sourdough with (laughs) freshly baked bread wafting out the window to everyone's delight. Oh, it makes me hungry. (laughs) Yeah, you're really painting the dream. Sign me up for that. (laughs) That's a real dream. (laughs) I could still go there. (laughs) And on top of that, a really good church nearby. That was really also important to me. Mm, That's great. 
But obviously all this was not realistic, I decided. And so I reined in my hopes and dreams a little, but yeah. I was still quite driven by this dream. Yeah. And so life went on and circumstances turned out that I didn't have the opportunity to go to uni. I was yeah. always thought I'd be a primary school teacher. And instead, I went to business college in Sydney after year 10. And so this meant I could work full time and actually work two jobs so I could buy some land and ready to build a home, ready to build that dream. And then I ended up buying a block of land in Narara on my 18th birthday, not long before I met my husband. That's amazing. Yeah. You're really working hard to get that dream too. Absolutely. It was Mm. um, yeah, a real longing for me, I think. Interesting. Mm. And so I had the land and it was probably pretty obvious it wasn't the acreage by the sea, probably no hobby farm, but the rest should be possible, surely. And what I didn't realise at the time was that this was an expectation of mine that I thought I was in control to make happen, Mm. maybe most of it anyway. And I didn't realise the profound longing deep down to make it happen. So that was interesting. And another thing that might be helpful to know about me is my passion. And in some sense, you might call it a hobby to make everything lovely and as idyllic as possible for people. This passion was and is particularly centred around home and family and anyone who enters our home. But it did affect how I love to work in the garden, create my own Eden and the house that need to be clean and smell good and comfortable as possible. And the kids, lots of fun things to do around the house. So we built cubbies and veggie gardens and bike tracks and all mm. of that. Yeah, so that was a big part of my dream. Which, I mean, those things can be really beautiful and good things for our families and I guess that tension of what are we chasing or why. Yes. So I did have all of this dream but at the risk of sounding really ungrateful for what God has lavishly gifted on me in the way of my family, didn't go exactly to plan Mm. and it was quite a shock. Mm. There was two things particularly that I didn't count on in my plan or my expectations and they are, first of all, That lovely family home that my parents and us had physically built on the land I'd bought, I realised we were going to have to sell it Mm. if I didn't want to return to work straight after Bub 1 was born. And so we did sell it and bought a dilapidated shoebox (laughs) that had vines growing through the bathroom window, just not my dream. Mm. So that was the first thing that was quite shocking. And the second was after Bub 2 was born, he was six months old, I suddenly realised that was going to be the extent of our family. Mm. There was no more babies to come. Mm. I was like, what? And I really longed for more. So I'd been pretty sure God had made me to be a mum of many. That's what I would enjoy and I think I'd be pretty okay at it. So therefore, surely that was the best way to serve him with the gifts and personality, passions and education he'd given me. Mm. I really think I believed that back then. So how did you respond to all of that? What were you feeling and what kind of heart issues came out when your plans weren't eventuating the way you saw they should go? Yeah, lots went on there. But amongst other things, guilt and pain stand out by far. The guilt because God had given me this amazing family who I adored. What mm. was with the discontent then? Mm. You know, other people aren't even able to have children. Mm. 
So that was a struggle and an eye-opener. It caused me to think into what was going on for me and that discontent. Mm. So that was one side. And the other one was pain, which was so multifaceted, tapped into my insecurities. They ran riot. I'd look inward and I'd think, maybe this is punishment. Maybe I'm just not good enough a mum to handle any more kids. Interesting how your mind works. Mm. What else do I have to offer in the way of ministry? I've got not much more than this to offer and so quite confused. Mm. Then there were hard issues, identity issues going on. That's pride, humbled. So I wanted to be and be seen as the supermum. Surely that is who I was made to be. That's who I wanted to be. And so mm. identity all caught up in that and pride, mm. I think, girls. Sounds pretty painful, So what did you do with that pain and that grief? Did you ignore it or live with it or take it to God? Yeah, I couldn't ignore it. It wouldn't go away. It's usually usually how big emotions work. Um, But I did live with it and I struggled with it for years. Um, I didn't really share the pain with people, many people. I think maybe only possibly mum perceived perhaps we talked about it a little bit but not much Mm. I was never angry at God I was only ever grateful to God but I think there was confusion in there Mm. what he was doing and I'd pray goodness me I'd pray so hard that God would take the pain away and give me the contentment I thought I should really have But the pain lingered for many years and he didn't take it away and I just lived with it while I enjoyed what he had given me and worked hard at making the best life I could for my family. And so I worked hard at what I loved to make our home idyllic for the two kids that we had, comfortable, homely, fun. And over the years I consoled myself also that at least there may be grandchildren who I could be a super grandma to. Mm. But even then, over time, I was convicted that actually it might be God's plan for them to move away to do his work somewhere else. Mm. Oh, that was a hard thing to, to yeah. um, and still working on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But during this time, I also pushed a little further into serving him by leading a Bible study group and was serving in our kids' programs and things like that. So mm. starting to explore <laughs> minist- different ministry. Yeah, that's great. And what did you learn about God through that pain? Yeah, as I said, I carried that pain for many years and I tear up now thinking about it. Mm. But it's the tears are about remembering the pain. But I think even more than that now, looking back and seeing how he's grown me during those mm. years is just profound. Um, God never took away that longing, but what he did do, he slowly and gently grew me in longing to trust, serve and love him even more and started to pry my heart off the earthly longings. Mm. So he kept lifting my eyes to Jesus, reminding me of his love that he'd lavished on me and on our kids. And he showed me that he loves our kids even more than we do and he knows what's best for them. And that wasn't more siblings and it wasn't the idyllic house or the best experiences. Mm. So I I always knew I could trust him, but he slowly showed me that through my pain and confusion that his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts and his are far greater and beyond our understanding and fall. And so my trust in him grew through that. Um, Mm, That's beautiful. What a gift. It was, and it is. (laughs) Yeah. Was there anything in particular that helped you trust 
him more, that grew that trust? Yeah, I started to spend more quality time in the Bible and I started to see more and more clearly his purposes and the Bible was about him, his love, his power, his sovereignty. And I realised God was probably doing something in my life through the pain. Mm. I wanted to learn what he was doing and I really started to long for a life of righteousness and knowing him better. And so understanding um, how sovereign and powerful he is, I began also to be a little bit intrigued what he would actually do with my life in service of him. Mm. Quite the journey and still is. Yeah. 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 To look back on. Yeah. And nice to see your heart shift from wanting to have it here and now, have what you want here and now to just Mm. humbly submitting yourself to God and actually seeing that his ways are the beautiful way mm. Mm. and the best way yeah. 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 yeah 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 so just thinking through that time of hurt was there any truths from the bible that carried you through at that time absolutely and really it's the whole bible mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that's a big statement but i guess i understood more and more god's purpose and character in the bible seeing him work from from creation right through to Jesus' return over thousands of years. And he's got orchestrating history through individual lives and kings and nations. Mm. And his incredible undeserved love through all of that, ultimately in Jesus. And I realised and depended more on his sovereignty and power to bring about his purposes. Mm. And Romans 8.28, I was kept tucked away in my mind. We're told that he's actually working all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, not according to my purpose, mm. his purpose we were called. And I found that really encouraging and comforting. Mm. And as I considered my weaknesses practically, intellectually and spiritually and how he could use me for his glory, I kept hearing God's words to Paul recorded in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, you know, my grace is sufficient for you, but my power is made perfect in weakness. Mm. And I kept trusting in that, kept leaning into that, thinking about what does that mean? How then, mm. how can he use me in this life? Mm. That's quite profound as well. Mm. How can you see God refine you through your experience? Oh, yeah, he's been refining me through <laughs> and he keeps doing it. <laughs> I guess it's a lifetime thing. (laughs) But he really has shown me more clearly my sinfulness, my longing for the things and experiences of this world, as you were saying earlier. He's shown me more clearly some of my danger zones where I may fall into temptation. Mm. So good things he's given me to enjoy. We're talking about the good things, but actually that I might end up using inappropriately. So things like the temptation for me to make my family an idol. I loved and I love being a mum to our gorgeous children. It was such a joy that God had entrusted them to us. And our ministry to love and bring them up in the Lord was such a significant, important ministry. But that didn't mean that we should provide them with every physical, material uh, advantage and opportunity, which would take up all our time and energy and money. And things like temptation to give too much time and energy to my passion of wanting everything lovely and as idyllic as possible, even if in my mind it was for the comfort of others. Mm. The temptation to let my hobbies take more of my life than they should. He's taught me to number my days, 
that I might get a heart of wisdom. So that's from Psalm 90, Mm -hmm. that this life is not the main event. It's a time to work hard towards his purposes and not mine. And he's taught me more clearly that this is not our home. It doesn't need to be idyllic and it's okay to miss out on things I want and long for. Just because I want or long for it doesn't make it good for me. And all that, he's taught me to trust him more. I did trust him, but I I question whether I trusted that he knew the best life for me and that's what he wanted. Mm. I grew in that. And I came to understand that maybe I didn't understand so well that my best life isn't the happy, easy, content life for me or for our kids. And that actually being a mum and wife isn't the only work he has for me to do. You know, Mm. even in my weakness, he can use me however he wants. I'm not limited to my personality, education, weaknesses, what I think I might be pretty okay at. And so that gave me freedom to try different ministries and to realise in God's strength and power, he can and wants to use me to impact other people's lives for his glory in ways that I could never have imagined, I wouldn't have guessed. Mm. And so I set out to give all sorts of things a go, to get out of my comfort zone, and if I fail, I figured that's okay. He's Mm. even sovereign over my failures. Mm. What a comfort. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, freedom. such a freedom in that yeah I've been we've been studying Ruth and Esther at our church and I've been really comforted that he's so in the small details of life and that even if I fail his plans are going to eventuate that's so true isn't it Mm. Yeah. yeah and all of this also meant that I was still pretty young when I no longer had dependent children the pain of that's a whole different story but I found that he'd given me the gift of time and opportunity to give myself more and more to other ministries. So that was an interesting outcome. Mm. And, of course, he's given me incredible kids who I adore and I'm so thankful for, kids and all and grandchildren who are so precious. And for this moment, they live close by. I get to see them and enjoy them so often. But I do need to hold having them nearby loosely Mm. brought me to desire God's purposes, not only in my life, but in their lives also, more than what I long for. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. So it might be for the same reasons that family life might not be looking how we imagined or that life is just not what we planned or expected. But other mums could be feeling this real pain and heartache that you've walked through. How would you encourage that mum and what truth would you remind her in her pain? Yes, the pain and heartache is real um, Mm. and you may not feel that God is with you or cares, but he does. Mm. And now we know that is because he sent his son to Mm. die so that you, we might have life even when we didn't deserve it. And that you're not alone. Jesus promises in Matthew 28, 20 that he's with us always to the very end of the age. And I think the Greek, the original Greek for that term is something like the whole of every day. He is with us the whole of every day. So whether we feel it or not, he cares and is in control. He has your whole life planned out and has already prepared good works for you to do. For the moment, that might be to fall at his feet and ask him to help you trust him and love him more, to cry out to him. He knows you're groaning and groaning isn't grumbling. It's okay. And he wants us to come to him in prayer. 
Another thing I think is helpful is to look up and look out. So there's a passage, Hebrews 12, that I love. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and is seated at the right hand of God. And it reminds me that running our race will need perseverance. It's marked out for you and for me, and to keep our eyes on Jesus. How did he go through the pain and rejection, the torture, the death, and even being forsaken by his father? He was looking at the joy before him, what that pain would produce, life and a ransom for so many. Know that in your pain, he is working in you to make you more like Jesus, teaching, growing and refining. That he'll give you more than you can handle in this life because it's then often we learn to depend on him and his plans more, which are by far better than us depending on ourselves and our plans. And know that he has told us that in this life we will have troubles, hardships and difficulties. So we shouldn't be shocked and we shouldn't expect paradise here and now. And it will take perseverance and endurance. And there will be a time when Jesus comes back that there will be none of this struggle or tears for those who trust in him. Make sure you and your family are amongst and active in the community of God's people. You can be encouraged, share grief and joy, speak words of comfort and challenge to each other. Though not perfect, this is your big family. We need each other. That's how God created us. Mm. And also the other thing is to look out, knowing that those around you are also most likely going through something, either a little hard or a lot hard. I've always found that looking out beyond my own pain and problems, loving others with God's love and strength, encouraging them actually ends up encouraging and helping mm. them as well. And so I continue to remind myself often, back then and now, that according to God's word to us, People who are blessed and live a blessed life are those who delight in God's Word and take refuge in Jesus and His salvation. And I look for and find my joy, peace and sure hope there. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, thank you. That was really encouraging. Oh, I'm glad you're encouraged. Really encouraging to me. God's Word's wonderful. Mm. Would you mind finishing up to just pray for that mum who's going through a similar road that you've walked? Absolutely. Lord, you have known us before the foundations of the earth were formed. You knit us together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by you, our creator. And Lord, our every weakness, our troubles, our struggles, our sin, our longings, our joys, everything about us, way more than we know about ourselves. And you love us and know what's best for us. And Lord, I pray those listening today that they find their comfort in you, knowing that you love them, are sovereign over their situation. You are working in the joys and the griefs to shape them to be more like Jesus. May they find their rest in him. And Lord, we often make the things of this world more important than you. Day-to-day living, busyness, trying to stay in control of our lives and working hard at looking like we've got it all together. 
success and so much more can crowd in on our relationship with you, causing us to neglect that relationship, which will become increasingly dim. And Lord, we neglect hearing from your word, speaking to you through prayer, learning about you, being amongst your people. Lord, I pray that we prioritize these things in our lives for our sake and the sake of our families, even if it's messy and feels like nothing has been achieved. Lord, I pray we do everything we can to strengthen and depend on our relationship with you, whatever the circumstances we find ourselves in. And Lord, I pray for the parents who are listening to this, but also parents everywhere, that they understand more and more that to love their children you have entrusted to them is to do everything everything they can to ensure their children know and love you and pray for them. This is the best gift they can give these precious little ones for all eternity. And I pray for those parents, those women who might be longing to be a mum but who are unable. Lord, I cannot imagine their pain. And yet you love them no less. You are with them no less. And you will use them no less for your glory. I pray you comfort, strengthen and encourage them also. Lord, I pray, let us be a people who can say with the author of Psalm 73, Nevertheless, I am continually with you, God. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. And my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And as the Apostle Paul says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.